0: Tell me Wagwan. From the cosmic heights, planet Earth appears as a unique entity, revealing itself to be more profound than the differences and intrigues that exist on its surface. Boom. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind.
1: Your hosts here in London Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin.
0: who said that um no idea hit me it's only the wonderful dumitru prunario hey hang on a second jamie that's our astronaut of the week oh what are the
2: chances we've got an interview with him as well this is already a this is already a classic episode you said let's talk about animals in space now what is the 60th anniversary on the 3rd of november
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is it Mutnik?
2: It's (laughs) It's mutnik <laughs> I well, love that mutnik, yeah. Laker, this is literally, Laker.
0: Laker. this is very, very weird because yeah. I, as much as I come across very intelligent and like I've done lots of research, um, I just plucked that out the air, didn't I? Yeah, so obviously
2: uh, this was to sort of further rub salt into the wounds of, 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 of America. Sputnik 2, flying yeah. a dog into space. So, that, so that's the first dog into space. So that's got me thinking, what else What else has been into
0: space? I Whoa. mean, I don't know if we're going to have enough hours in the day to <laughs> list them all. No, it's we're not. absolutely I, ridiculous, it, as we it found is, out.
2: It, it is absolutely insane how much stuff has been in space. But I tell you what's really funny is that there's quite a few firsts. So obviously, uh, okay. Leica is the first dog into space. In fact, yeah. it's the first orb... No, it's not the first dog into space, anywhere near. It's the first dog to be well first animal that's ever been in orbit of course mm. sputnik 2 so the first sputnik a little silver ball doing radio signals the next sputnik a dog going round the earth i mean it's crazy isn't it that is
0: pretty crazy.
2: Now it did
0: 1957. Come,
2: yeah, they did say that that uh, Lake had sort of survived a long time in orbit and but, uh, but died on reentry. It's not yeah. quite true. Apparently, years years and years later, they did release that uh, poor old Laker had died from heat exhaustion. Oh. I think, as in, I, I, I think the um, one of the life support systems had packed up pretty much immediately. Mm. Uh, in getting into orbit so that's uh, the See, first all the death. way through this
0: we'd like to stress <laughs> that we do not encourage animals in space um and we feel very sad of the ones that have passed away because we decided as a human race to take them up yeah well um i did read another
2: article by a nasa scientist uh yeah. and uh, they were saying how they take uh, animal welfare of course It says the institutional animal care and use community looks at and and, sorry. Do you see what you did there, Matt? Sorry to
0: stop you, but you said use, and that's 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 a sheep. So that's very funny. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. So the institutional animal care
2: and use community looks at the most humane alternatives for taking animals into space. Regulations for animal research are more intense than for using people in research because people can give consent. This is the thing, you know. So, yeah, so animals don't go into space that often these days, but in the original space race, uh animals were going up left, right and center as we shall as we shall hear.
0: So They absolutely were. Where do you want to start? Well,
2: well, how many nations do you think have flown animals into space?
0: Oh, I'm going to take a legitimate guess and say 20. 20? No. No, Jamie, that's a ridiculous
2: guess. Uh, Do you know, the White Stripes, uh, Seven Nation Army, the original lyrics of the song were Seven Nation Animal Space People.
0: But it didn't sound as good, yeah. Uh, I don't think so.
2: Ding, 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 ding. The Soviet Union, the United States, France. France have been at it. Argentina is the surprise one for me. China, Japan, and another surprise entry, Iran.
0: Did Argentina also cook a steak up there i hope they did they love a steak
2: <laughs> so who were the first inhabitants of earth to circle the moon and this was on zond 5 in 1968 wasn't it a fly was it a fruit fly two tortoises oh along with a bunch of insects but yeah
0: two tortoises on zond 5 <laughs> i love that with a bunch of insects i lo- uh, do you reckon they got on do you reckon there was much banter on <laughs> on the flight yeah anyway.
2: I would imagine that the tortoises... Uh, Guys, guys, look out the window. There's a woman called Laura Lewis who works at the NASA Ames Institute of Animal Care. uh, And she says that within five minutes, mice are floating in their living spaces, grooming themselves and eating just like they would on Earth. See, it doesn't seem to freak them out that much. Don't freak mice out, but I'd imagine that all the dogs
0: Oh God yeah. USA
2: uh, launched flights containing monkeys and primates, primarily between 1948 to 1961. Seventy mm. percent of them died, so that 70 percent of the monkeys and primates that went up in that era died.
0: Yes yeah, not. Uh, good. And then
2: they did one more flight in 1969 and one more again in 1985. Okay. France launched a couple of monkeys in 1967. <laughs> uh, the Soviet Union and Russia launched monkeys between 1963 and 1996. So, yes, the first animals sent into space, not around the moon, but the first animals that went into space were fruit flies. You were, you were correct on that front, on a V2 rocket.
0: Okay, let me interject slightly and mm-hmm. ask you, were they primarily just seeing if the animal would survive or were they doing more scientific studies than just that i mean i assume they were doing tests when they got back but primarily is it just to say look if we can send this mouse to space and it's all right when it gets back then we'll be okay Absolutely,
2: it was all about eking, literally finding every single shred of evidence that they possibly could to yeah. see the effects of, yeah, space travel on on humans, and and that's still the that's still the reasoning behind sending animals into space. You know, this is yeah, you know that that's still it. So, uh, yeah, the fruit flies went up in 1947, and they went 68 miles high. That's just over the Kármán line. So they were indeed the first animals in space or first creatures into space uh then the first attempt to to launch a monkey into space failed and that was a, a monkey called a rhesus monkey called albert the first and oh. he died of suffocation and didn't even reach the space line he only got to about 39 miles high
0: oh albert but,
2: his successor, Albert II, <laughs> another rhesus oh, monkey, go. which is quite famous. You'd recognise Albert II, the rhesus monkey, because his pictures been used on. Th- I'm sure his pictures being used like on an Avon album cover. I-, I can't remember which one it is, but there's definitely like a famous band that no, used it. No,
0: I know exactly what you're thinking of, and you're thinking of the Pixies. I believe you're thinking of Debaser.
2: That's right. That is right. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. So yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Uh, so. Yeah, that, uh, Albert II died on impact but did actually manage to get out into space. The parachute failed to open and the poor old chap went flying down and smashed into little pieces.
0: Oh,
2: uh, God. Uh, yeah, and then uh, they sent up more monkeys on Albert, Albert III and Albert IV and then on Albert V they just flew a mouse into space on a V2. How about that? Tell
0: me that Albert three and four survived. I think they did. Yes, I think they did. Okay, but they only went into space.
2: Yeah, and they didn't, and they didn't, uh, but they didn't go into orbit. So remember, the first orbit is Lake of the Dog. On twenty second July, didn't even
0: orbit. These animals are idiots. No,
2: I know. On twenty second July, nineteen fifty one, however, the Soviet launched uh, a flight carrying the dogs Tizen, which was which stands for Gypsy, and Desik. They both went into space. Now, I believe, just as a sort of quick fact here, that they often chose female dogs because they're much more placid and more likely to sort of uh, stay calm. So there's a right. kind of element of the, the type of dogs that are chosen. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that they went up, and uh, the two dogs were the first living higher organisms successfully recovered from a space flight. So that was in 1951. So no, actually, Albert. Sorry, Albert three and four must have died. Because, oh, f- yeah, because yeah, these two dogs were the first two dogs to come back. Uh, they both survive, They both survived that flight, and one would later go on to die in another flight.
0: I'm just going to have nightmares. This is what's yeah. going to happen.
2: Well, you're the one that wanted this. You're the one that wanted this. I
0: know. I I I, I instantly regret <sighs> it.
2: And then and then. Um, and then the Americans thought well let's let's fly up let's fly up a uh, squirrel monkey named Gordo who who they called uh old reliable uh they <laughs> right. They flew him up uh, to see if they could sort of get a, a, a you know try and compete with the Russians. Gordo survived ten g of launch, eight minutes of weightlessness, and forty g on reentry. however. Oh, here we go! The nose cone that he was in sank
0: <laughs> downrange oh, from Cape Canaveral
2: and was not recovered. So, gosh knows if you know
0: what happened. So, to are me. they making um, little? I, I assume they're making them all little spacesuits. Yeah. I know. Oh, from the ra- apart from the rat, uh, you know the rats and the mice. Yeah. Because yeah. what can you do? In about in about the year two thousand, I actually visited the
2: Cosmos um, uh, Space Center in uh moscow and okay. uh and it was like it's, it's like a it's a bit like the science museum except dedicated to space and in there was a bunch of dog spacesuits, which are really cute they're like That's little, cool l- they were really really cute they like almost like a little bag although they were I, from a memory they had little legs where the front legs front paws went through and then a kind of screw-on helmet so yeah, can yeah, we yeah. put a
0: picture up on our yeah, Instagram we, we should of, definitely of try exactly and, that?
2: Yeah, we should try and find the dog spacesuits because they're, they're they're pretty cute things.
0: Uh, I assume that they'd also have to put nappies on them because you know, without getting too graphic, you wouldn't no, really yeah. want to no. zero gravity yeah, well, start well, cleaning that up.
2: Yeah, well, some of these some of these dogs and and monkeys are out there for some time as we'll get onto. So a rhesus monkey, Abel, uh, from Kansas, and another one, a squirrel monkey from called Baker, who was from P- Peru. Mm. rode in a missile, and uh, and that went 360 miles high, so that's way above the International Space Station, uh, and they withstood 38G, weightless for nine minutes, went to the top speed of 10,000 miles an hour, survived a 16-minute flight. Uh, annoyingly, Abel died four days after from an infected medical electrode, <laughs> but Baker... God became a sort of celebrity and she was even mated in an attempt to test her reproductive system. Yeah. Blimey. And she lived for a long time until 1984 and lived in Huntsville, Alabama at the US Space and Rocket Centre as a celebrity.
0: Yeah. And do you think that they looked down on the earth and say, you know, if only the politicians could see this, they wouldn't fight anymore. We'd all just get on.
2: So, yeah, they, these, these creatures would have seen what we only dream to see. 1959, Marthusa was the first of what
0: type of animal to get into space? 1959. I'm going to have to say that it was a rabbit.
2: It was a rabbit. Yay. (laughs) The Russian Russian rabbit.
0: Did they take up enough carrots? (laughs)
2: Well, I hope so. And, of course, it had pretty good eyesight as a result. 1959, Mm. the Americans then, to compete, launched a couple of frogs and 12 mice. But the uh, rocket blew up on the launch pad. Oh god! Uh oh! And then two very famous dogs. 1960 was Sputnik Five, carrying Belka and Strelka, along with a grey rabbit, 40 mice, and two rats, and 15 flasks of fruit flies. Oh, it sounds like a horrible drink. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to swig that back uh, too yeah. quick. Uh,
0: I, I just have a water, thanks.
2: No, it's all right. You're going to have a flask of fruit flies. Oh, yeah. Blimey. Imagine accidentally picking that up on a sort of camping trip. So, oh. was
0: who was riding with them? That's it. I mean, that's a lot of animals. I think they
2: sent Noah. <laughs> Noah was the first person
0: in space <laughs> two by two. Sputnik Five, oh my yeah. Lord. So Belka
2: and Strelka were on Sputnik Five, and it was the first spacecraft to carry animals. Into orbit and return them alive. So that is Sputnik Five. Thank Belka and God, Strelka. Some
0: silver lining of all and, these deaths. And get
2: this: so one of Strelka's pups, Pushinka, bred and born after a mission, was given as a present to Caroline Kennedy by Nikita Khrushchev. In 1961, and many that descendants is, are known to exist. So, how ace would it is be to have a, a very dog?
0: Cool space dog.
2: I might try and see that if I can go to America cool.
0: and find myself find myself a space dog. That sounds like something you'd do. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully backing it. What well, uh, podcast that would be? Bear
2: in mind, this is still before Yuri Gagarin. Uh, okay. So then, USA sent black mice Sally, Amy, and Mo, uh, and they yeah. were retrieved. In good condition. So there we go. So that, so the Americans managed to do it as well. Good. Uh, and then on, in 1961, this is, this is the thing that, uh, that annoys some people, is that they sent Ham, was the name of the chimp, was launched in a mercury right. capsule aboard a Redstone rocket and uh, tr- he was trained to pull the levers and receive rewards of banana pellets and avoid electric shocks. That's the bit I don't like. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. He, and his flight demonstrated the ability to perform tasks during space flight, and it was only three months later that Alan Shepard went into space. Now, so they could they could have sent Alan Shepard on that flight and beaten Yuri Gagarin.
0: Imagine how annoyed Alan Shepard was. My Lord. So Did they... Did PG Tips employ them afterwards? Uh, <laughs> what? Alan
2: Shepard or the, or the dog? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking about I the mean, the, oh,
2: sorry, the ham, ham the chimp. God. Yeah. No, I just got on to the next bit that, that, yeah, before they attempted to get Yuri Gagarin into space in April 1961, 12th of April 1961, at least Russia had sent at least 11 or 12 dogs up into orbit. Mm. Yeah. So the first chimpanzee into space was called what? Do you know? Uh I don't know, tell me. Enos was the oh, first that's chimp. A good name. Uh and then yeah and then a Sputnik uh Curable Sputnik 4. So that's not Sputnik 4, it's Corabel Sputnik 4 was yeah. uh, lin- uh, launched for the first time in 1961 what animal?
0: That was i'm gonna say a rat guinea pig little guinea pig oh yeah but france uh
2: flew up a rat in the same year Oh, right. yes yeah. that's what little, I meant, yeah. uh, and their rat was called hector hector the rat he went up into hector. space in 1962 but then in 1963 the french uh flew a cat first cat the cat went up on an agi sounding
0: rocket Uh, I mean, they get nervous when you turn the hoover on, (laughs) let alone a rocket. 15-minute flight the cat had. Uh,
2: And unfortunately, uh, Uh when they sent a second cat into space, they didn't get to the capsule on time and the cat died while waiting to be rescued. Mm. And then a bit later in 1967, the French uh, also launched some monkeys So, yeah, the French have been quite successful at the old animal launches. So what year do you reckon the China got into into
0: action? Now, I know this. This was 1964 and 65 um, with rats and then two dogs in 66. Yes. I'm just happy that they weren't cooking with them, Matt.
2: Yeah, and do you know what the Spanish contribution to this is? Go on. Chucking a couple of goats out of a window. (laughs) Come on,
0: that's got to be a lie.
2: <laughs> so the Soviet l- l- Union launched at least, get this, fifty-seven dogs. Jeez. Although some of them were more than once, so it wasn't fifty-seven dogs, but fifty-seven launches with dogs in it. Lie me. More than sixty percent of the dogs who went into space suffered from constipation and gallstones, and they f- and they ate they ate a nutritious jelly-like protein.
0: Nice. So I assume, Matt, that they're. Um That just like humans, their bones deteriorated and they had to uh, make sure that the animals exercised whilst they were up there for a period of time. And when they came back, were they sort of two inches shorter?
2: No, I don't don't think they were up for that long. For that long. No, there was a lot of training, though. That got them acclimatised to boxes and, and and. confine them for 15 to 20 days at a time in a box yeah they always use stray dogs and the training included standing still for long periods of time wearing space suits riding in centrifuges in fact you know what actually that was another thing that i've just remembered when i was in russia was watching a sort of grainy video of two monkeys in a centrifuge and they look terrified and there's this bit there's this bit where they one reaches out to the other one and they hold hands it's oh, absolutely God, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it is absolutely heartbreaking. It's like no way. But get this: Argentina launched oh, a kai monkey in 1969, as part of Operation Navidad, as and as you know, that's Operation Christmas.
0: Well, I feel so depressed, Matt. You need to give me some good news. Okay, so on Apollo
2: 16, that carries yeah. some nematodes. Nematodes are a what, crazy what creature. What are nematodes, Matt? They're, you find them in the soil. They're a very, very basic multicellular animal that, that is just about one of the most important animals to life on Earth when it comes to sort of moving around the soil and, and uh, wow. doing stuff. But it's, um, it's, if you ever want to look up something amazing, that's look up the nematode that's been built with, with uh, Lego and it essentially is a nematode because what they've done is it's a computer program that mm. is mapped, neuron for neuron, uh, a nematode. So it thinks it's a nematode. It's called the Nematode Project. It's one of the most fascinating and amazing things ever.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be Googling afterwards.
2: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So yeah. uh, Apollo 17 carried some pocket mice, although one okay. one died on the trip. Skylab right. three had pocket mice and some fish. So here's here's a question for fish you: Fish in space? Fish could a fish swim without the water? So like, put it into the International Space Station. Could it swim in the in the kind of air that's in the International Space Station? But Maybe surely listeners... it would
0: need the water. No. Well, well, why
2: do you think it would need water? Because the oxygen. Because it, it takes the oxygen out of the water. And of course, there's oxygen in the air. And it could just sort of float in the air and sort of use its normal skills to kind of swim through the air. You know, yeah, like but those...
0: there's, there's yeah, but there's oxygen in in the air, but you, if you take a fish out of water it'll oh, die. Yeah, yeah, but that's
2: because the gravity crushes its gills. Isn't that it needs, why? Yeah, it needs the buoyancy of the water to help it. But it, it the gravity right. wouldn't be there to kind of ruin its uh, I never thing. knew that. Yeah, so I don't know is the actual answer. So maybe a really clever listener could actually tell us whether a wow. fish can actually swim around successfully out of water in the... I, I suspect,
0: I'd suspect... I'd suspect not. Yeah,
2: I suspect water is required to sort of carry the oxygen over into the gills. But I don't know. Maybe... Mm. I think when they dry out, they probably die pretty quickly. Russia had a, a few bion programs where they actually did carry um, a lot of animals. They, uh, monkeys in particular. They had eight monkeys, but one of them died... And it was from that fatality that they decided to call it a day. So that was in the 1980s. Good. And the program was cancelled. And there was apparently a massive inquiry about it. It was totally unacceptable by that point for the Russians to, to think that it was okay. Well, I mean, they, they, they genuinely were, were upset that they'd killed a monkey in space. So obviously times mm. had changed by, we, by the time we get to the 80s, both sides of the Atlantic. So yeah, the US sent two squirrel monkeys on Space Lab 3. On the space yeah. shuttle, so yes, monkeys have been on the space shuttle with albino rats and stick insects, right? And then okay. China launched some guinea pigs in 1990. Yeah, Toyohiro Akliyama, a Japanese journalist, carried Japanese tree frogs to the Mir space station. So, so frogs have been on Mir, and Japan launched its first animals, a species of newt, into space. On the eighteenth of March, nineteen ninety-five, on the Space Flyer
0: Unit, the SFU. Yeah, there we go. If I dress up like a tree frog, maybe they'll carry me on. That could be my uh- <laughs> one chance to get to get on the space station, Matt. Yeah, I don't see why
2: not. The Chinese spacecraft, the Shenzhou Two, launched on January the 9th, two thousand and one, yeah. and the capsule contained a monkey, a dog, and a rabbit. Uh, no images of the return module were published. And this kind of makes us think that maybe the parachute failed and, and all did not survive. Right. Uh, there was only one survivor of the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster, and that was a nematode found oh, actually yes. still alive from, that, from the disaster that was the uh, Columbia flight. Unfortunately, oh, silkworms, spiders and bees and ants and a Japanese killfish all died in that uh, along with obviously the crew yeah um so yeah it's it's been a very 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 varied uh thing but my favorite animal that goes into space do you know what it is uh i'll give you a clue they're sometimes called moss piglets
0: moss piglets yeah oh yeah it's the one that looks like water bears sometimes called water bears Yeah. Now, what is the name of it? You're going to have to tell me. I remember looking at this. It's incredible. My favourite. Aren't they the most... They're the most... The hardiest uh, thing ever. The hardiest animal ever. It can survive anything.
2: Yeah, it's called an extremophile
0: that's it
2: yeah no but, wow. but its name is tardigrade so it's called a tardigrade it. Is, the, is the is the actual uh, loretta likes to call them tardy accidentally calls them tardy bigs and tardy bigs <laughs> is a tardy big is a town well a little village near where i come from which has the most amount of locks canal locks in the world tardy well, but you know tardy grade is what they're called and they managed to survive 10 days exposed to open space so they literally were, were on wow. the Photon M3 mission, the European Space Agency, mm. uh, in 2007, and that's where we discovered that tardigrades could survive. Just, oh, just open space here. What, what of it? Not even bothered. That even is insane. Uh, insane. Now, no, here is one of my, another amazing fact. What, what creature is going to be here even when all the humans are gone?
0: Well, obviously the tardigrade.
2: Not just them. Bigger than, oh. Bigger than a tardigrade.
0: Uh, It's got to be a cockroach. It's the cockroach. They're the ultimate survivor, yeah. So
2: the cockroach were carried inside a sealed container and taken up, and they have become the first creature to produce young that have been conceived in space. So, so yeah, the European Space Agency has had live births of a creature in space. How cool is that?
0: See, we did talk a while ago didn't we about has there been any nookie in space and there obviously has been yeah cockroaches cockroaches mind you they can't
2: i've got a horrible feeling that cockroaches can self-reproduce so i think a female cockroach can carry on having babies regardless and can like a a, a female cockroach on her own can start a whole new colony jeez yeah Yeah, that's
0: pretty pretty grim (laughs) uh if you if we're ever out and i catch you (laughs) self-reproducing you can shoot me i'm I'm gonna call the cops
2: yeah that's fair that's totally fair enough get this so iran this was my this was this was the one that i thought was crazy iran sent a monkey on a Pishgram rocket okay uh footage exists but remember jonathan mcdowell who was on our show a few Uh months ago he reckons that the footage is uh from another launch and uh, therefore he seems to think that possibly that monkey died. But uh, Iran did actually manage to get a rhesus monkey called Aftab and Fargam uh, and sent them up separately into space and returned them live. And then I think they're studying the effects of space on a a baby that they've subsequently uh, uh, reproduced, begat, I should
0: say. Wait, when you say baby, you mean the baby of the monkeys? Yeah,
2: the two monkeys that went into space right. separately. Then they had a baby, and then and then they've, the researchers are studying the effect on that baby.
0: I was worried you meant human baby then, and that would have just be too too far. Too yeah. far.
2: Have SpaceX been in on the act?
0: I don't think so.
2: Yeah, they have. SpaceX what? have carried up 20 mice to the ISS in, uh, on their CRS-4 mission, and on CRS-6 delivered 20 more when a reused um dragon capsule came back down to earth i believe yeah. it was carrying mice i think we mentioned that on the show when a spacex capsule re- returned to earth i remember now yeah
0: oh blimey that is nuts yeah that is nuts well i just hope matt that it doesn't happen too much more
2: no i just can I just I finish with, a, with a bit of a depressing we've note?
0: needed to learn Ah, oh, more depression. Yeah. Go on then. For the
2: most part, returning animal test subjects are immediately dissected so that research can study in detail how oh. spaceflight has affected their bodies. Matt, and what are you doing every- to me? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the deputy programme scientist Tara Rutley described it like this. Every single component is used for gaining knowledge, gaining understanding of what happens on long-duration space flights. Every single component.
0: Oh, God, that's grim. Oh, man. Apologies to any veggies listening. That is long. We've got th- well, you know what? <laughs> half now an hour of talking it, about animals we in never, space. We never need to do it no, again. It's, a, it's, it's, closure. it's closure. It is closure. So, uh, Astronaut of the Week. Oh, Yes, Dimitru Prunario was so lovely, wasn't he? I know we keep saying it, but they were all lovely.
2: Oh, but yeah, some of, the,
0: some of them. I'll just say this some of them more lovely than others. Matt, you'll know what I'm yeah, talking about. I hear what you're saying, but we've got another great one today, yeah, haven't we? Th-
2: this one was a lovely definitely, one, definitely,
0: definitely a lovely
2: one. <laughs> He's, yeah, really lovely guy. Uh, and he flew into space on Soyuz 40, Salute 6, Space Laboratory. Not uh, too shabby. Not too shabby. So he's the first Romanian cosmonaut.
0: Big up yourself, Romania. Uh,
2: and he studied uh, at the University of Bucharest uh,
0: uh-huh. and
2: has a degree in aerospace engineering. And yeah. then in 1978 was part of the Intercosmos programme. May 1981, so it was an eight-day mission aboard Soyuz-40 and the Salyut-6 Space Laboratory. So it's one space mission, and he became the 103rd human being to go into outer space. Nice number. Uh, and he, he's a founding member of ASE, or the Association of Space Explorers, which now has over 400 members, all of whom have flown into space from 30 six countries probably more now because that was as of 2015 so i would imagine tim peak's Peak's probably been so that probably makes it 37 countries um and his phd thesis produced new developments in the field of space flight dynamics yeah so soyuz 40 by by just so you know was the last of the original soyuz spacecraft ah okay okay so uh, shall, we, shall we just go straight over go and, in. And, and listen? Let's roll the tape. Nice. Boom.
0: It's time for
1: I'm Dimitri Pronario from Romania. I flew into space 36 years ago in May 81 on Soyuz 40 mission on board Soyuz 6 space station. Uh, I accomplished a lot of experiments on behalf of my country and uh, I returned safely.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear. So our first question is, looking back over your amazing career, um, what's the one day that if you could go back, you would go back to that day?
1: Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I would go back to the day before landing, okay. when I was still on board Salut 6, because uh, uh, actually when I arrived at Salut 6, uh, it looks to me that I have plenty of time to do all my experiments to live there to feel the weightlessness and during the last day I just feel a shortage of time and I really wanted to spend more time up there into space. I bet. <laughs> so I'll be back.
2: Of course. <laughs> absolutely hope so. Uh, so we're obviously at uh, in ESA. Uh, can you uh, give us some kind of um, feel for how important ESA is in terms of the entire
1: space? Actually story? ISA represents uh, not only Europe, but represents individual countries as well. There are a lot of programs, mandatory programs and, uh, and non-mandatory programs within ISA, and Romania it's, uh, by instance, part uh, it's a full member of ISA from the end of 2011. And we invest quite a lot comparing with the size of the country and with the GDP. We invest quite a lot in the space, and we are very happy doing this, because we see results. Uh, I think uh, Europe uh, has a big mission uh, in uh, being one of the forefront countries uh, in uh, space uh, activities. Uh, Besides the former Soviet Union and the USA uh, which invested a lot in the space infrastructure uh, during the Cold War era, uh, when the political reasons pushed them to invest so much, now cooperation represents the main uh, insights and input for for the countries to to go together and to explore space. And ESA is characterized by cooperation between uh, the member states. Uh, We are now at ESTEC. Uh, it's an open day and we already have more than 10,000 visitors coming here, listening to us, coming with the children, asking for autographs, for pictures together and listening with big attention what we astronauts and cosmonauts tell them about our experience in the space, about what happened now into space and what could be tomorrow the future of their children.
0: Now that leads nicely onto my next question. A couple of weeks ago, we had Elon Musk talking in, in uh, Adelaide uh, Adelaide, yeah, about uh, his plans for Mars. Now, there's also a lot of talk about the Moon, which he touched upon as well. Do you think we should be focusing just on Mars at the moment, or do you think uh, the Moon is important? First?
1: Uh, actually Moon is very important for the Earth, because Moon is very close. Moon is right here, 380,000 kilometers. It's quite nothing comparing with uh, the long distances uh, to Mars. Mm. And uh, I I I was there at the International Space Congress, and I listened to different presentations, and I've seen that uh, the Russians now are focused on the Moon, because they consider a much more important Moon much touchy, present, the communication is much uh, faster and better to the Moon than to the Mars. And the Moon could offer us a lot of uh, good surprises uh, with respect to resources, with um, a base for uh, farther observation into mm-hmm. space. The other side of the Moon, it's uh, very quiet from uh, uh, electromagnetic uh, point of view and uh, astrophysical uh, observations could be made uh, much easier from that side and there are a lot of uh, interesting things also with uh, with the moon of course mars is the next step Mm -hmm. the americans already were 50 years ago on the moon Mm -hmm. so the next step should be another planet and mars it's very interesting very important we see on mars uh, a lot of uh, things connected with uh, a possible life rivers uh, maybe fauna maybe flora who knows and we just want to discover what happened with mars during that time and to determine what could happen with our earth because we are very close as planets mm. and the structure of the planets it's very similar so Investigating Mars, it gives us a glimpse of the future of the Earth. Investigating Moon, it's a problem of resources, of uh, future business. Um, the concept of the Moon Village, by instance, the Moon Village uh, representing the fact that everyone who wants to investigate the Moon comes with something, and there to not compete to each other, but just. get together and work together for the same purpose, investigating Mars, exploiting uh, Moon Mm. Uh, so the concept of the Moon Village, it's a very important one I think with respect to the exploration of the Moon in the future
0: And if you could take a journey to either of them, which would you choose? If you could only choose one
1: Uh, If if I could choose one uh, for now at my age I would choose Moon (laughs) 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 Yes, that's right
2: have you got a favourite space fact, like a, a kind of statistic about space that, that always continually blows your mind, that you love to tell people and say, hey? Uh,
1: the most important thing was uh, the fact that when I arrived into the outer space, I was really amazed by the thinness of the atmosphere of the mm-hmm. Earth. So it's so thin and instantly you, you, you just acknowledge that uh, within this atmosphere... They're living people, animals, plants everything it's in this very thin uh Layer of atmosphere. Yeah. And uh, really, you have the feeling that you have to contribute with all your forces to the protection of the Earth and of mm-hmm. the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's one feeling. Uh, the other feeling is that uh, when you arrive up there, you feel very strong. You are a representative of a human race uh, who builds a spacecraft, builds a technology that uh, allows you to fly up there above the atmosphere. At the same time, you feel very vulnerable. And you feel that uh, in any moment you could be hit by something up there and just disappear. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these two feelings of uh, the powerful of the human uh, race and the vulnerability of uh, yourself up there into space, uh, it's a very strange combination.
0: I bet. Now, we've talked to a lot of people about their space heroes, and, of course, the people who first went to the moon are going to be up there for everybody, which they are for us. But is there anyone else who maybe... uh, you would like to shine a light on that isn't so uh, in the spotlight that you think deserves to be
1: uh,
0: thought of as a hero? Uh,
1: with respect to the moon exploration, uh, of course.
0: Or, or space in general.
1: Neil, Neil Armstrong, it's a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong was the first one who stepped on another celestial body than mm-hmm. the earth. Uh, Besides that, uh, you you, uh, witness now a lot of extravehicular activities, a lot of work outside the space station hours and hours with a very complicated equipment, a very good one that ensured the life of the astronauts for hours outside the spacecraft and outside the space station. Don't forget in 1965 Alexei Leonov made the first EVA, a very risky EVA, with a spacesuit that was not tested into the outer space just on the ground and when he went out it just blew up a little bit and couldn't enter the spacecraft again. He has to make a small desermatisation of the spacesuit just yeah. to get back they are pioneers and they are the first very first people that uh, did amazing things into the outer space and I have the full respect for all of that.
2: absolutely, so do we yeah. so well, our final question really is what what advice would you give to people who want to follow in people like your footsteps and what advice can you remember people giving to you that really kind of you remember to this day and think, oh, that was the best bit of advice You know,
1: had. people, and especially young people, have to follow their dreams. If they have a dream to fly, to build something, to do anything, just to follow the dream. If they do things with passion, they will be successful. If they just are pushed by somebody else to do things they don't like, they, they will not be successful.
0: Absolutely.
1: Just to follow their dreams.
0: Yeah. Just to do what you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Incredible stuff. Well, thanks so much for your time and okay, have a welcome. great rest of the day. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was really great. Cheers. Okay. Real pleasure. There we you. go. Tip of the cap and thank you once again. Yeah, lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, was he We're the getting first, through was, these, was, aren't, was aren't we? He,
2: was he the first astronaut we spoke to that weekend?
0: No, that was, I believe, Jean-Jacques. Uh, Jean-Jacques.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you're right. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll
2: have probably have Jean-Jacques next week. Listeners. Yeah. So listen out for that, Jean-Jacques Favier, Defo, Defo. So
0: Wagwan in space news.
2: Wagwan in space news. Well, first of all, your mate Richard Branson. Oh yeah, he, Brano. He's, he's he's got permission for Virgin Galactic to launch from Spaceport America. And don't tell me you've been to Spaceport America.
0: Oh, I don't know like to go on about it.
2: <sighs> yeah. So. Pope Francis is planning to make a call to the International Space Station today. What? Why? Oh, he just wants to talk to the Ex- Expedition 53 crew members. Oh, okay. Yeah, I-, I wonder how many of them are Roman Catholic. Mind you, yeah, Paolo Naspoli's up there,
0: isn't he? Hey, Matt, they might not be Roman Catholic, but they're definitely roaming the universe. Oh, yes. Good? Yeah. Or... Mm. I'll just keep quiet.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, space <laughs> space news. There's a new film called Lunar Tribute, which tells the story of Charlie Duke. Ah, oh, sweet. And it's a, basically an interview, it seems, with Charlie Duke talking about the uh, photo that he's left on the surface of the moon. And all the way through, a drummer called Jojo Mayer is playing yeah. drums throughout. And, it's, and it looks really, really cool. Like Wicked. black and whitey, grainy, jazzy drum kind of super cool lunar tribute film by a bloke called oh, Robert Lewis. That. Yeah, so that's worth Check looking it out. out for. And unfortunately, we we have a passing away of astronaut Paul Weitz, who was the uh, NASA Skylab and the first space shuttle Challenger commander. Oh, he passed away at in 85, 85. Good age. Um, yeah. Uh, NASA is extending its Dawn mission over Ceres uh, for a second time. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, this is one of the coolest things I, uh, that uh, I've seen because I'd never really seen this thing before. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a robot called Roomba or Octo Octograbber, which is a huge, <laughs> huge robot that lives on the drone ship, of course, I still love you. You know, the big thing that catches the SpaceX boosters as they come down. This thing's absolutely enormous. It looks like an enormous giant white um, Roomba. You know, those little vacuum cleaners that walk around. But it's like a sort of white version of that, but massive, like huge. When you see pictures of it, it dwarfs humans and it's a robot. Uh, But it got damaged because when the last Falcon 9 that landed on uh, of course, I still love you, landed it, it flushed out its um, RP-1 fuel. It rolled across the deck and pooled in a certain area. And when uh, the Falcon 9 flushed out its, and I love the name of this, Trithylamluminium Trilathaborane.
0: And oh, you can say that again.
2: Tri- it's tri- okay, you don't have to. Trithylaluminium, tri-thyl-aluminium or T-E-A-T-E-B. Uh, and that 's used to ignite the first stage when it was getting rid of some of that, it must have set fire to this big like pool of uh, rp1 uh, the, uh, the onboard drone ship managed to stick it, you know get the fire out itself with its onboard robot hoses, but right. uh, unfortunately, the garage containing Octograbber was damaged i 've got to stick a picture of that up because it 's absolutely crazy looking thing and i 've never seen it before
0: it 's weird do you know um, do you know who else's nickname is Octograbber? Go on, then. Uh, George Bush Senior. Is that right? <laughs> Octograbber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big, big time. And then you can decide whether you want to edit that bit out of the okay. podcast. No, well, probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, leave it in, leave it yeah, in. I'm definitely leaving
2: it in. Lego have brought out a Women of NASA set. I should have mentioned this on the last podcast, but I didn't, but I should have done. because, Wicked. Yeah, it's got uh, Nancy Grace Roman, a computer scientist, yeah. Margaret Hamilton, and astronaut Sally Ride, who we featured as our Astronaut yes. of the Week on episode 40, and astronaut Mae Jemison. Good work, Lego. One thing that I should mention is um, Go on. there was a hall thruster. So a hall thruster is these ion thrusters that, that get new modern spacecraft around the solar system and there's one called the x3 that's broken all records so this this is a really really cool thing because it's it means that we can more likely get astronauts to mars uh and it and it managed to get to 5.4 newtons of force compared to the previous record of 3.3 newtons so that's the new x3 hall thruster
0: sweet relief hey matt Um, You know, last week I gave you a space fact about Uh a black hole. Yes. I've got another one. Do you want to hear it? I'm I'm all ears. Here we go. Yes. For a person to become a black hole, they would have to be compressed smaller than a proton.
2: Oosh. That's quite a lot of compression going on.
0: I think we should have a third and final black hole fact next week.
2: Well, I can tell you uh, uh, an addition to that. I believe that if the Earth was shrunk compressed to the size of a marble that yeah. would also make a black hole that is a lot
0: of shrinkage
2: but yeah black hole the size of a proton would be one of those black holes that radiates enormous amounts of energy
0: I mean if they shrunk the earth to the size of a marble hawking radiation how, no how tall would I become
2: well less than a proton because you'd been shrinking down by the same amount wouldn't you yeah
0: but it's just cold out Matt <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, right. <laughs> on that well, note, on that note, I think we've, we've got to prob- call it a day. We've got to call it a day. Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. Space thanks Animal Facts, were, that is that is a crazy subject that yeah, I didn't know much about. But man, yeah. there's been a lot of animals
0: in space. God, way more than I thought. I thought you were just going to say like three dogs and two monkeys and that's it. No,
2: there have been a lot of monkeys and a lot of Damn. dogs.
0: Well, here's, uh, here's, to the, here's to the animals that have gone up and, and passed away. Here's to you. Here's to you. So- sorry, sorry that we put you through that, as in human beings. Jamie. Yeah?
2: The Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, Putting the, the ace, ace back in into space. space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Good work. Uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, as always... Like, comment, subscribe, five stars, great reviews. We become rich. We do more podcasts. Everyone's happy.
2: <laughs> I like it. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. See you next week.
0: See you bye. soon. Bye. Bye.